Let's just uh, open up our hearts and our minds to receive from the Lord today. I was really encouraged as, as we're singing that last song. That was kind of what I'm going to talk about today as far as just uh, who the sun sets free is free indeed. And I'm actually going to go to the mind because how many know there's a lot of talk these days about mental health and about the power of the mind and how it's the battlefield, the God's after it, and so is the enemy. So much is happening right here and it affects everything. Everything. So I'm going to talk about that today. And so you're sitting here singing, who the sun sets free is free indeed. That's what we're going to talk about. And then I'm walking down the halls looking for a prop earlier because I know some of you guys are missing Pastor Michael. And we love Pastor Michael. We miss Pastor Michael. And so we say, hey. And so I'm bringing a prop to you because a few of you guys I've noticed over the last couple of weeks have like been twitching. Like I haven't, I haven't had a prop in like three weeks. I've got to have a prop. So I'm going to use a prop. Anyway, I was getting my prop. And, uh, and I'm passing Ileana's uh, Sunday school class, and she's talking about the sword of the Spirit in Ephesians 6. And I was like, well, that's in there too. That's what we're talking about. So anyway, I'm, I'm confident that the Lord is up to something good. And so how about we get out of the way so that he can accomplish what he wants to do today. So let's, let's begin in prayer. So Lord, I do seriously mean that. May we get out of the way. We're going to talk about your truth. And the, tr- and, the, and the truth of that is if we can deliver it, if I can deliver it, purely and not get in the way and not mess it up and not uh, add anything to it or take anything away, then it will have the maximal effect. And so we want you. We don't want anything less. We don't want anything added. We want you because you are enough and you're exactly what we need. And so, Lord, we open up our hearts. We open up our minds today on purpose because we trust you. We could, we could possibly open up our hearts and minds to other things and other other gods and other junk and it would be really detrimental for us but we're opening up our hearts and our minds and saying yes to the king of kings the lord of lords the prince of peace the author the alpha the omega you are all that and so much more and so we just say would you have your way in our lives today may we take this word whether we're a a kindergarten or a first grader or whether we're like 78th grade May we just receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're obviously celebrating a lot of victories. We're talking about victory in Jesus. We're talking about, you know, celebrating our people who served. And it's just, it's just fantastic to see all that. I, I had a minor victory. I have to add the word minor because in light of all that, it, it's pretty minor. But I was pretty excited this week. Like a lot of frustration has been building for like three or four weeks. And it has culminated in great elation. And, and I mean, I'm talking like I'm excited. And no one else in my family has shared this excitement hardly. Maybe Adeline a little bit. Adeline has, because most of my family has just let this be my own battle. And they've just let me do this. And they haven't even really helped, to be honest with you, at, at all. <laughs> but I have been working diligently because this is our third year living where we live right now. And every summer we've had a gnat problem. Have, does anybody get gnats in the summer? And, and a few of you, yeah. And usually it's just like you know five or six or ten or something. And it just seems like a couple, a few weeks, and it's passed. And you just want to make sure there's no banana that's a little too soft or you know some fruit or something. And you just take care of that, and then they end up kind of going away. And if you see one occasionally, not a big deal. Well, we had that, and I even took solace in the fact that the neighbors had that, and they had five or ten. It's like okay, it's just a gnat thing; it'll be gone. Ours didn't go. Ours did not go. In fact, so I got the vinegar and the water and the drop of Dove soap and a little sugar and I put these little cups around the house and so I was catching three or four or five a day and then it turned into like 10 or 15 or 20 and then one morning I woke up 
and there was about 30 of them swarming around a tomato, and there was like 50 more in my cups, like collectively, and that was just overnight, and I'm going, this is insane. What is going on here? And so, has anybody else had this, or am I the only one? Okay. So I'm like, you got a couple options. You can either set the entire house on fire, <laughs> or you can Google to see what you should do. And so I read Google before I set the house on fire, and I read, and it said, you know what, make sure there's no scraps of food or anything like that around the house. So I am like really diligent, and Amber keeps a clean house. The truth is, we like clean. We're always pretty straight in the house, but we like clean, and then the truth is we got four kids, and they don't help in that regard, and so... <laughs> It's, we're, we're, but, but we don't just have junk everywhere. So, I mean, I'm climbing underneath the cabinets and, and wiping down underneath the trash cans just in case there was a morsel of something that is like the root of these gnats. I looked and I looked and I looked and I looked and I looked. Anyway, Friday, Friday morning, I walk into the utility room and I grab a paper sack out of the little basket that holds paper sacks. Gnats don't care about paper sacks and like five gnats jump off of it. Like, what is going on? Because by that, that night before, I thought I had gotten all of them. Like, I was even telling the kids, I didn't tell you this part, but like, that's what I used to do. Well, I had moved past that. There are so many. I have been carrying around the little miniature vacuum. And I can get 15, 20, 30 of them just like that. Way, way better. You don't miss any of them. Did that for several days, and I kept saying, that's the last one, kids. And they were like, really? And then after a while, they were like, he's just saying that to make himself feel good. So anyway, this paper sack, five of them go off. And so I'm like, that's it. So I shut the doors to the utility room. It's got to be in here. Something is in here. There's no reason they should be on that paper sack. So I start tearing the place apart. And then in this moment of just brilliance, I said, the lunch boxes. The school lunch boxes. How, how long has it been since school's been out? Five weeks, five weeks. And knowing my kids, their rule is when you get home, you hang your bag up and you put your stuff away. So I know they did it, but I just need to check just to make sure, right? So I go over to the lunch boxes, pull the first one off. It's Adeline's clean and pristine. I put it aside. I get Brynn's, perfect, absolutely perfect. And then I'm like, it's going to be Atticus. Got Atticus's? Nope. Atticus's lunch box is good. I grab the fourth one. Now there's six lunch boxes because somebody's always leaving a lunchbox at school or on the playground, so we have six of them. But I got to the fourth one, pulled it off, and it had a little weight to it. And I noticed the zipper was 98% closed. And so I, I zipped just a little bit, and three gnats flew out. And so I zipped it back up. I took it outside, took a before picture, because I was pretty confident this was it. Took it before picture, and then I zip, 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 opened it up, and I did take an after picture, but I'm not showing it. I'm not showing it. Half of you want to see it, half of you don't, and I'm not showing it. It's on my phone if you want to see it. I zipped it up, opened it up, 200, 300, 400 larvae everywhere in there mixed in with a banana that had long gone brown into black, and it was just a breeding area. A sandwich, some carrots, it was disgusting. And I took care of it. 
If there's any insect activists, I'm sorry. I happened to be burning some leaves that afternoon, and I happened to drop that thing on top of the leaf pile. God bless. <laughs> so, I say all that in, on, in way of introduction. <laughs> that there's a system here, there's a cycle here with gnats. And oh, by the way, we're now two or three days removed from that, and I woke up and I had three this morning. So we are on the back side of that. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thanks for all your help, family. <laughs> There's a cycle with gnats. They don't start out gnats. They actually start out, uh, there has to be an egg, and then it's a larva, and then it's a gnat. And you can't have an egg without the fly first, and you can't have a larva if you didn't have an egg first. You have to have the, that sequence. And we'll find in the scriptures a lot of sequences. In fact, today what we're going to talk about is this one. And I'm kind of throwing it out there just so you can have some chance to kind of mull over it. We're going to talk about the sequence of thoughts becoming imaginations, becoming actions. And you don't act unless you first thought about it. And, you, you, and, and the thought has to either be rejected or accepted and it becomes an imagination. And that process could take just a moment or it could take hours or days, but there is a process, just like the egg turns into larva, turns into gnats. In fact, the scripture is full of processes like this. We've seen it uh, as you read, as you just continue to read, you'll notice some processes and you'll, you'll say, you know, that's it. that's it. There's a truth there that if we follow this, this is, this is what's gonna happen. It's predictable. So much of life is unpredictable and there's lots of things in life that is predictable. We know that if we sow something, we'll reap something of the same kind. Like if you put corn in the ground, you'll get corn. You won't get some other vegetable or fruit. I mean, it's like, it's predictable. And that goes for good, good things and for bad things. If you sow wildly or rebelliously, you're gonna get some rebellious and wild consequences and some bad things. On the flip side, sometimes it's not talked about enough in church, but if you sow well, if you sow generosity and respect and honor and you know, good things, you'll get good things, good fruits growing in your life. So you see that progression in scripture. You also see that death has the potential to turn to life if in the middle you come to the cross and you repent and you line up with Jesus and he can bring us from death to life. We know that in uh, Romans 5 we hear that, that suffering can turn into perseverance. And if you persevere, turn into character. And then hope. And so people that are hopeless, oftentimes they're hopeless because of their suffering, because of their current situation. They just don't, they just don't realize it. It's the suffering that's gonna allow for the perseverance and the enduring which is gonna allow for the character to be built, which is allowed to the, for the hope. And there's this, this sequence and you just gotta follow it through. And that's also why the scripture says that we can rejoice in our suffering. Why? Because we're delusional? No, because we know that hope is the end result and character is the end result from the suffering so we can do. And so you see these scriptures all the time. You see temptation comes and then you give in to temptation and then sin is birth. And when sin is birth, then there's death. You also see when temptation comes, you can reject that temptation. You can flee from that temptation and then there's life and victory. And so there's all these progressions. You saw that, that temptation was out of James chapter one and uh, you just see these progressions. And so just as the egg turns into the larva, turns into the fly, today we're gonna talk about how our thoughts turn into imaginations, turn into actions. And let me just 
Prime the pump. I'm going to give you several examples of this because I really want this to sink in, and I really want you to do some internal inventory of your own life by the end of this and say, I've got, I've got some, some thoughts and some, some actions that I've been that I need to make some corrections to, and I think there's gonna be time to do that. But I'll start really easy. If I were to start talking about salsa, (laughs) you might take that word and start dreaming about chips and salsa. You might even start thinking about enchiladas. And your mind might go to los mocajetes. (laughs) Or you might start imagining yourself at Joe T. Garcia's. Make sure you bring cash. (laughs) You might even think El Paseo over on Jacksboro Highway. It's an old favorite of ours. Mi Casino downtown or over up north at Alliance. You might go there and after we leave here you might even find your car drifting towards one of those places just because I said salsa. Just the power of the thought. And, and, and so pause that imagination. Some imaginations, you make those decisions in a minute, some moments. I just need you to pause that and pick that one up later. But you might find that the thought of salsa turns into the imagination of where you might go next and what you might eat next turns into you driving over there. That's the progression we're going to talk about. And so I'm going to take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, <clears throat> verse 3 through 5. It says, For though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretentious or pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Other versions, like the ESV says, take every thought captive to obey Christ. We take every thought captive. I'm going to do it. It's a pretty short, uh, sh- short teaching today. I want to just walk us through that scripture and that concept because we're going to talk about a supernatural divine help for our lives. We don't fight the things of the world the same way. We have, uh, we have stronger uh, weapons at our disposal. So what kind of thoughts are we supposed to take captive? All of them. It says take every thought captive. And, uh, and I, want to, I want to just kind of remind us today that part of the princ- uh, one of the principles of Christian living is we're to take thoughts captive. We, do, we should do this hundreds and hundreds of times a day. And, uh, and we take all of them captive. And it literally looks like this. Here comes a thought, and you take it captive. And then you hold it up to the Word of God. And you say, does this line up with the Word of God or not? And if it does, you allow it to come in. Because then you know the imaginations as you think about it and whatever, then it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to grow and it's going to lead you to good things. But if it doesn't line up with the word of God, you take it captive and then you recognize that it doesn't line up and then you reject it. Now I say the word of God and we know that in Ephesians 6 that's the sword of the spirit. And, and if you look into the Greek and stuff, it literally means you take this weapon, this sword of the spirit, and you hold that idea up and you hold that sword at that thought, and if it doesn't line up with, that, with the Bible, it's gotta die. Now, I know from experience, and most, many of you do too, that you might have to do this numerous times, even with the same thought. They're hard to kill, but they, when they come in, you've gotta kill it, you gotta get rid of it. Because if you don't, the thought enters the mind, runs around in the imaginations, and at some point, there will be an action. 
that's the natural progression and it's not gonna be pretty. So what kind of thoughts do we take captive? All of them. The minute and the really grand complex ones, you take them all. And some of those, take those, some of those things take that long. Probably most of them take that long and, it's, and then you just move on to the next thing. Just that long. Others you wrestle with, but you take them captive. How do we do it? We capture that thought, we hold it next to the word of God and we receive it or we reject it and that's, that's the process. Bang, bang, bang. Now Romans 12, two says, therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12 talks about how the mind is so critical, and these thoughts are trying to come into the mind, and we've got to take those thoughts captive, and we've got to recognize that as we do so, the Lord is transforming us. The Lord is renewing us, renewing our minds. He could have done it in lots of ways. He could have said, through worship, come through worship, and that will renew your mind. He could have said, by working out, or by eating better, or by being nice to people, or by showing up to church. He could have said lots of different things, but he said, by the renewing of your mind, you have to, you have to, you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and we know that the, the mind is renewed by the word of God, and so we've got to really be diligent with the word of God. One of the reasons why I was led to this passage uh, for this week is we're on the doorstep of beginnings, of starting the, the beginnings readings, and so I want you guys to recognize that as we're doing so, we are going to allow the word of God, not just us running through the word of God, but we're gonna allow the word of God to run through us. And as we're challenged on things, as things don't look, I was thinking this, but this is what the word of God says, we're gonna have the opportunity to let the word of God rule in our life. And it's amazing, that is a supernatural and divine weapon. We can really try harder, like some of you guys have been struggling with, uh, with some strongholds and some fortresses that have been built up in your life, and you've tried other ways to defeat it. And the scripture says, actually, we don't fight carnally. We don't fight that way. We have, uh, we have better weapons at our disposal, and that's what we're talking about today. We have better weapons, it's, it's the word of God. So when we take, our cap- we take our thoughts captive, we will see strongholds fall. And so my prayer for my family, for our church, going into this next reading is, would strongholds begin to fall? A lot of times we think of fortresses and castles. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in our minds, ideas and philosophies and perspectives and worldviews, may they fall when we hold them up to the word of God. And if they don't line up, may they fall. I pray too that we would, we would avoid entirely new strongholds from forming because we're allowing ourselves to go through the word of God and allow the word of God to go through us and it will change us because Jesus came to set the captives free, like we sang. And so much of our captivity, if we're honest, it's right here. It's right here. It's old ways of thinking. Yes, he's made us new. Yes, we're being transformed. Yes, we're new creations, but there's still old ways of thinking. If we're not careful, if we don't pull it off the shelf and say, does this line up with God's word or does it not? And hold it at, at sword point, they'll just continue on in our lives and we won't walk in the fullness that God has for us. Does that make sense? So we're talking about ideas and perspectives and opinions, talking about teachings and philosophies. We're talking about lies that the enemy has been telling us for years that this is the way it is. So I told you I'm gonna give you some examples, more than salsa, okay? I'm gonna give you a few more examples. You might be still holding on to that lie that you're worthless, 
that you have no value. And so as you read through your scriptures, as you're reminded of, of, uh, of God's word, you might remember that actually I'm a child of God. He's made me a child of God. Actually, you know what? Psalm 139 says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. How can this be that I'm worthless if I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and I'm a child of God? And oh, by the way, I'm not just a child of God. I'm made in his image. How in the world, I mean, just the made in his image part of me is pretty awesome, if nothing else is. How could I be worthless? It's just a lie. John, uh, 1 John 4.10 says that God loved me first, even before I tried to clean up a little bit. He loved me first. How could I be worthless? Because he saw worth in me. That just doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute. And so you take that thought, and as it comes back again, sometimes these are old friends that just keep coming back, you take it captive, say, that just doesn't line up with the word of God and you reject it. And you may have to do it three or four more times or 30 or 40 more times, but you reject it. And then, that, that, then the, the egg and the larva and all the bad stuff doesn't get to form. The, the, the thought doesn't become an imagination because we all know if you take that lie into your mind and you start imagining on it and thinking on it, it doesn't take you to good places. In fact, it probably takes you to depressing and fearful and low places. And then the action comes later and it all started with the thought. Another one you might might struggle with, and this is the other extreme. We could, we could pull lots of these. Not, I'm not, not that I'm worthless, maybe you struggle with, I'm better than that person. Isn't it funny how the, if the enemy doesn't get you over here, he'll get you over there. He doesn't really care, he just wants to get you. He's out to kill you and steal from you and destroy. So you take that idea, you know what, I'm better than that guy. And sometimes that happens as the Lord does a great work in you and you're, make, you're like making headway with the Lord and you're growing and you're, and you're, you're stripping away things and, and it's like in all that good, what starts in the spirit can easily venture over into the flesh and you might start saying, you know what? I'm better than that person. In comparison, I'm not trying to brag, but I'm doing better than she is. And now we've, they've allowed this thought to begin to, uh, to destroy. And so you might remind yourself of scriptures like, you know, we all fall short of the glory of God, all of us in Romans 3. Also, it's, it's only by God's grace that we're even where we're at. We can't even take credit for that. It's nothing, nothing that we've done. Not only that, there's nothing good in me except for Christ is what Romans 7 says. And so if you want to boast about something, you boast about Christ in you because you take that out and there's nothing good in you. And so again, it's just allowing the word of God to sink in and to understand it and, and to know it. And then as those thoughts come in, hey, I'm better than that guy. I'm better than her. Mm, no, I can't go there. That's not good for me. That's not even true. I reject it. And, if, and so there's another example. Isaiah 64, 6 says, our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Filthy rags. And you can even joking, I mean, like kind of jokingly say, I can't believe that I even had that thought. I absolutely dismissed that because I know the best I got is, a, is filth. It's filthy rags. If it wasn't for Christ, I'd have nothing. So you can take the gambit. All these questions that come in, I'm worthless or I'm, I'm, that person, I'm better than that person, whatever it is, as the thought comes in, I really want to, ground in the point that you got to take it captive and not let it become an imagination. One time someone told me that whenever we let a thought come into our lives, it's like a, a bomber, a suicide bomber or something coming into your building. You have to stop them at the front door because if you let that thought in, if you let that person in, he'll run all over your building and at some point blow up and that's where the action comes. That's when the pain comes. That's when the hurt comes. So you got to stop it at the door. I want to share something with you. This is a, this is a personal personal with me, it wasn't so much like, hey, I think I'm better than you, or hey, I'm worthless. It was more just I learned something in school, and I applied it, and it was good, 
and then I applied it somewhere else, kind of not even realizing I was doing that, and it wasn't so good. And in my development, and I'm learning the scripture and reading, I realized it at some moment, I was probably in my early 20s, and I was like, wow, that doesn't really line up. And all I did was took it captive and said, you know what? That's not how I'm going to believe this to be. I'm going to change my understanding of this. And then I moved on. And it's made a big difference in my life. And so I wanted to share it with you. And again, this is like a teenager ended my 20s thing. Uh, I went to business school, uh, North Texas, got a business degree. And one of my professors, uh, super, super cool guy, he's an entrepreneurship professor. He, he told us on one of our last days of class, he says, guys, because he really was encouraging. He said, guys, you're about to graduate. And you're going to get out there and you're going to find success because you're working hard, you're diligent, you're going to push through, you're going to find success. But I want to warn you that when climbing the corporate ladder, before you even take that first step, I want to make sure that you give some thought to make sure you're leaning that ladder against the right building because you're going to spend months and then years and then decades of your life, and I've seen far too many people get to the top of that ladder and then look around and say, I actually wanted to be over there. I don't even want to be on this building. And so he told us, from a business perspective, he says, you know what, just before you start, before you hire on that company, make sure your ladder is leaning on the right building. And I took that truth. I liked that idea. Uh, it was similar to something I read later. There was a Roman philosopher, Seneca. He says, you must know for which harbor you are headed if you were to catch the right wind to get you there. So both of those ideas, I want to get to... Athens, and I'm in Italy. How I gotta, I gotta know where I'm going in order to catch the right wind to get me there. You really ought to have a plan <laughs> as you as you step out. And in business, that in my in my professional career and stuff, that was really good advice. And uh, even now, when I do marriage counseling, that's a quote that we use in, in one of our first two chapters: is that like, you got to know where you're heading. And then we go into talking about marriage and and uh, Genesis one and two, and how it really helps us to to establish the foundations of our of our marriage. And so you got to know. And so I took that truth, and it and it was true in those scenarios. But somewhere along the line, I took that truth and I applied it to something else that didn't really line up with God's truth. Um, Adlin, Bryn, Braylon, you guys look scared. <laughs> Can you help me with something? I need that big old orange ladder over there in that corner. Can you bring it for me? Come on, come on, up here. All right, can you get that for me? It's that, that eight or nine foot ladder there. Yeah, just quickly, quickly, bring it this way. <laughs> Sorry, Brent. <laughs> okay, come on, anytime, girls. You got, <laughs> you good, doing good? Let's give these girls a hand, they're doing really good. <laughs> Are you going to make it? You got it? <laughs> okay, I just need it way over there in the middle there. You guys can... I tell you what, how about this? How about I grab the middle part and you grab, you guys get the other sides. Let's lay it down, Adeline. There you go. Now let's, let's carry it over here. Is that a little easier? Yeah. We'll put it right here. All right. Thank you, girls. You can sit down right there. Perfect. 
That reminds me of an old uh, story. I remember a dad was carrying a ladder, and it was like this 20-foot ladder, and then their little three-year-old was behind carrying the last ring of the ladder, you know, and dad's carrying like 99% of the weight, and the kid's like, you know. <laughs> and then anyway, they went inside afterwards and says, hey, mom, me and dad moved the ladder. <laughs> That's kind of how it is doing anything with the Lord. <laughs> we did this, and yet we know the Lord did <laughs> pretty much everything. All right, so... Not to belabor the point, but somewhere along the line, I adopted this idea in my teens and my 20s that the Lord, the walk, my walk with the Lord, my relationship with the Lord was like a ladder. And I would walk and I would fall. And I'd say, oh man, I should have done better. So I would do it again. I'd get a few more steps this time and I'd, I'd slip and I'd fall. And I just kept doing this and I'd cry really hard and really hard and then I would fall. And I just kept doing this over and over and over. And I just started to feel like really defeated as a Christian because I keep finding myself right back here where I started and this is terrible. I'm failing God, I'm failing myself. I'm just, I'm just not able to do this. I can never get to the top. And the truth is my ladder didn't look like this. It looked like a 150 foot ladder and I kept getting up about 10, 12 steps and falling off. Does anybody ever feel like that in your Christian life? And one day, somewhere in my young 20s, the Lord was like, Josh, come on, dude, read my scripture. I have not called you to climb a ladder of faith. I've called you to walk a path. And my ladder went from vertical to horizontal and all of a sudden I started finding myself walking a few steps and then falling. And when I fell, I would get back up, I would dust myself off and I would continue. And I would fall again and I would get back up, dust myself off and I would continue. And I noticed that as I'm walking this relationship with the Lord, I didn't go back to the beginning every time. I would fall at like the quarter mile mark and I would get back up and the Lord didn't make me go back to the beginning. I got to start from right there and keep on going and you know what? All of a sudden my mentality, because my perspective changed, my mentality changed, my, my, my just even the feelings that I felt towards God and myself changed because I would find myself making 15 steps towards God and then falling and then getting up and where I should have been rejoicing because, you know what, I did 15 steps this time instead of seven. I did 15. God is really working on my life. I would feel like a loser because I kept going back to the beginning. But now I would get up. You lose all momentum when you fail. I get it. But you get up and then you keep on going. And all of a sudden I started seeing that the Lord was taking me somewhere. And the way I realized it was I'm reading through the scriptures and I kept seeing all these scriptures not about ladders. The only scripture I can think of about a ladder had angels ascending and descending on it, not men. And so I'm reading these scriptures and it's like Psalm 119 says, God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And then Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside quiet waters. And I was like, how in the world could a water go up the ladder? That doesn't even make sense. And then it goes on and says, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's like, oh, this is so simple. And you may not have struggled with that, but because I had adopted this idea, this just ridiculous idea that I'm climbing a ladder to God, it changed my actions and my daily life kind of stuff. I keep on reading, and this is just like in the last week, I'm listening to the radio uh, and they're talking, they have this little devotion and it's out of Isaiah 43 and it says, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And then Isaiah 42, I heard this one this week as well. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. And I started seeing that the Lord was actually making all these provisions for me 
I think I was just missing out on some of them because I was living with this wrong mentality. And so don't tell me that your thoughts and your perspectives and your worldviews and your mindsets don't matter. They matter. They mold the way you actually live. Oh, it's just a thought. Yeah, it is just a thought. But that thought turns into imagination. And that imagination turns into actions. And your actions are being affected by your thoughts. And if you get the thoughts right, it really makes a difference. And strongholds and fortresses begin to fall in your life. Now, it's bigger than that. That scripture is way more than just that idea. There's a lot more going on. But if we could grab onto that and consider that for a while and ask the Lord, are there strongholds in my mind, in my life, that, if, that maybe some of the things that I'm struggling with, maybe some of my actions, maybe I need to stop trying to uh, change and fix the action. Maybe I should just back it up a little bit and try to get to the root of it. I think he would say, yeah, there actually are a few things. And I think you might even see that as you read through your scriptures, that things start jumping off the page because you're looking for those things. Job says it uh, in, in his book, says, Job says, I have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his way without turning aside. We know about the broad road and the narrow road. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5 and, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Dozens and dozens of examples like that. And when I grasped it as a young, young man, it really helped me. And so I just want to invite you to take an inventory of your own life and see if there's anything that you've accepted along the way that isn't lined up with his word. And that idea wasn't even like a diabolically nasty, terrible idea. It just wasn't in line with his word. It wasn't accurate. And therefore, I wasn't able to walk in, in that fullness. So in conclusion today, I want us to take every thought captive and weigh it and measure it against what the word of God against the word of God and you take and that is actually a healthy helpful habit that should be happening hundreds of times a day that I'm not so sure (laughs) we're doing that as well as we could hey Shaler you here come on up here Shaler's gonna lead us in communion again just an opportunity to get closer Uh, to the Lord and allow him to speak to us. I want us to allow, yeah, I think I'm done here. There was more, but I think I'm done. So if you don't mind, I'd like to pray before we we start. Shayla, you're going to lead us. So Lord, I ask that as we take communion, we would recognize that we're coming to your table. We're going to remember we're going to give thanks. Um, but when we come to your table, like, we're coming with all of us, and, uh, and our minds included. And I just ask that uh, through communion with you, through devoting time with you, to getting close to you, you would use these divine weapons that are for us and, and uh, available to us and start bringing some of the, the changes in our lives that we've really tried hard maybe to affect and to create, but we just couldn't Uh, so we invite you into those areas and so yes we come in thanksgiving yes we come to to remember you and in the process that i just remember that you've come for us and so lord here we are collectively as a small part of your whole church but here we are a bunch of your kids and uh, we want more of you we uh, we need more of you and that includes our hearts and our souls 
and our bodies, and it also includes our minds. And so I ask that you would continue the good work that you've begun in us. And may we open up our eyes and our minds to realize that there are maybe some avenues that we haven't really explored uh, so well. And I pray that you would, we would open those places up to you and you would do a mighty work in our lives and break down strongholds. In Jesus' name, amen.